when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired, and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question, our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt. Uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast, presented by MyBookie. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, Shane, what you uh, drinking on this episode? All right, Mike, I am whipping out some Rising Haze IPA. Mm. This is a Asheville original craft beer, so right over the mountain uh, to Highland from the Highland Brewing Company. So, uh, again, that's Rising Haze, uh, 7% alcohol, and oh, no. it does look like <laughs> looks like it's going to be a good show, Mike. <laughs> All right, yeah, I've never had that one, but uh, there's nothing wrong with Asheville, so they they got plenty of good breweries out of there. So I, I'm looking forward do, do to. You know, Asheville a few years back was voted the number. I probably I think I've said this before, but I'm going to say it every time we bring up Asheville because I love this place, man. Have you ever been? Oh yeah, dude, Asheville's awesome. Awesome. I, I mean, honestly, if I could move anywhere other than where I live now. Cause I'm a homebody. Mm-hmm. It would be Asheville, North Carolina. Cause it, for starters, it's right over the hill, but on the, <laughs> on the second part, man, it's got the Biltmore there. It's got like this, this hippie vibe. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. I, I know that's the number one because everybody's smoking weed over. I think Mike, you know, cause it's got a lot of that, that, that hippie culture, but, uh, I think it's cool. So if you ever get a chance, never been there thinking about going, we're not sponsored by the town, but I'm telling you, Piltmore <laughs> is where it's at, especially at Christmas time over at that house. Mm-hmm. I walk through it. I pretend like I own it, you know, <laughs> like Richie Rich. <laughs> well, hey, buddy, we got a lot to get to, but uh, before we go around the league, I forgot to mention this. I feel pretty stupid. I, I meant to mention this. I wrote it down in my notes here, but completely overlooked it, so I apologize to all the Aggies out there, but... You know, we kind of hinted at this senior receiver, Jamon Osmond, number one target for the Aggies, mm-hmm. opting out. So that means Texas A&M is going to have a completely new receiving core. And then on a, also not an opt out, but an opt in, Neil Farrell for LSU defensive line. He's probably going to start for the Tigers. So that's kind of the latest opt out, opt in 
news here around the SEC. But yeah, this is kind of this is why I was kind of hitting that the Aggies kind of in trouble because we've been hyping up Kellen Mond and what this offense could be with these running backs, like with uh, Green and Smith and all this. But how's it going to look with now they've got they, they remember they had two receivers go pro early, didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. Two tight ends lost for the season. Another receiver that was probably going to start lost for the season. Now we got another receiver opting out. And all of a sudden, Kellen Mond's running out of you know, veteran players to throw the ball to. All right, Mike. On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being like, you don't care, it's not a big deal. 10 being like, full-blown panic attack. What, are, what, what's, what kind of range are you at right now? 8. Hey, oh, that high. Yeah. That high. Oh, jeez. My hand is, it's not hitting the panic button. It's it's you, beyond hovering you, over it. It's its kind of like, it's getting a feel think? for it. Let me ask you, Mike, because, okay, so how many of we have opt out down there that, that are significant? Well, this is probably the only one that's really significant. They had two defensive backs opt out that would have played quite a bit. Right. Blades was probably the most significant, but he had been banged up. So, and he's planning on returning next season. So that I think that was kind of a deal where he just wanted to get his body right. But yeah, it's just kind of it's almost like the opposite of Alabama when we're hyping them up for not having any opt outs. And mm-hmm. again, we're not. You know, every situation is different. So I'm not sitting here and saying Jamon Osmond's a bad guy or anything like that. But it just to me kind of goes to the fact that they don't have any at Alabama lets you know how locked in they are. Whereas here we're several weeks into Texas A&M camp and, and we're getting the number one receiver. If he was going to do this, I, I don't understand why he didn't do it. Yeah. That's so, you know, at the start, you know, this, uh, again, we don't know the man's personal situation, but you know, when this opt in opt out thing first started, you thought, okay, that would be when you do it. Not, not, you know, because I'm also hearing rumors up here in Knoxville that there's a few that are on the fence that are in and out. And I don't understand what, what, are we, what exactly are we waiting for? Either you're in or you're out. And you kind of got that vibe when you talked, when you heard Nick Saban, when he's coming out, he's, he's got those boys down there brainwashed and convinced that they're going to win a national championship and they're going to do it together as a group. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's why we have less opting out. Uh, maybe it is a little bit more leadership down there but uh, i i don't know and i'm not again we're not talking about just this one situation it's just like it, it seems like there should be that moment like you should have that moment with your team and say hey listen if you want to opt out right now that's fine i understand but do it now don't do it later when when we've wasted not wasted when we put all this time into practicing with the i mean just think about it the wasted reps that went down with this. It almost, I'm again, I'm not getting onto this kid for, for sitting out or opting out, but it seems like you as a coach should have had a moment with your players and say, Hey, listen, if you even thinking about just do a takeaway, if you're even thinking that you're going to want to opt out sometime this season, then do it now. Don't do it later because it's only going to hurt the rest of the team. And uh, it kind of blows my mind. And and what this is going to lead to, Mike, and something that people aren't even really talking about right now, but throughout the season, you have the option to opt out. Mm-hmm. So what happens when you lose three or four games and, and then, you know, just 
the, the, the locker room's lost and everybody's depressed and down, you know, then, then you may have a mass exodus of people opting out. It's like rip the bandaid. Now, if you've got players on your team that do not want to participate this season, find out who they are and deal with it. Either convince them to stay or convince them to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I hate to think about that, but I think you're absolutely right. It's going to happen, you know, whatever. And it's probably going to be one of the, well, half the SEC's in the top 10 now. So they're all mm-hmm. thinking college football playoff going to the SEC championship, but you you drop a couple early. We may yeah. see, hell, let's hope we don't see like a mass exodus, but yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly a possibility, I think. Absolutely, man. If you, if you can't make that run, let's say Texas A&M, a team that honestly has a good shot to, to competing for a, a, for a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. If they drop a couple games because of depth issues or something like that, then you're going to, you're going to look around. There's going to, there's a couple of first rounders on that team potentially. And they're just going to say, what's the point? What's the point of hanging out? And then if so-and-so's opted out, why can't I opt out? So I, I just, I just think stop, stop babying these guys they're not kids anymore get get to the find out what their agenda is and if they are seriously worried about this disease then don't let them play but if they are just doing it more because maybe they're going to go to the draft or maybe they want to see how the season plays out it's like nah nah we we're we're not going to play that game because there are there's 80 other players on this roster that would love to have the opportunity to be the number one wide receiver for Texas A&M. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like you you took that you took that when you signed the letter of intent. Now we, he didn't know COVID was going to hit and all this, but he knew three weeks ago, four weeks ago, um, two months ago that he had the ability to opt out, and he waits till now, right before it's less than two weeks before kickoff. I just I don't I, I don't like that, man. Yeah, and the, and the only other thing I'll have to add on him is, you know, he's a good player, but he was not going to be a first-round pick or probably a second- or third-round pick. So he kind of needed a big senior season to elevate his stock. Mm-hmm. So there may be just a little bit more behind the scenes on this one. but Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think it's good. I think it hurts him to even do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think he had he come back and been a reliable number one and put up really big numbers, I think he would have mm-hmm. – shot up the draft board and and now he's missed that opportunity and absolutely i'm not trying to knock his decision but i think it was i think it was a poor one at this at this point yeah me too all right buddy you uh you ready to go around the league yeah buddy let's do it now let's go around the league league. my my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm gonna wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, we're going to start here in South Carolina, where I got a pretty interesting idea. We're actually going to hit on a number of teams right here when we're talking – the Gamecocks, but wanted to start off with 
you know, Muschamp talked, but I didn't really see a ton of what he had to say that was I thought was that interesting or <laughs> would have made for good content <laughs> on the podcast. So instead, Ryan Holinsky and Colin Hill, the two quarterbacks battling it out for the quarterback competition, they both spoke on Monday. And uh, so let's kick it over to those two guys, and then I'll kind of get into what I wanted to do on the back end. But this is uh, Holinsky in the first talking here, of course, and he's talking about you know, having to compete for a job that he started 11 games last year. What's that like on playing catch up a little bit on the Mike Bobo system, given that Colin Hill played for Bobo at Colorado State. And then uh, Colin Hill talks about his performance in the latest scrimmage and how he thought he did on if he thought that he'd be in the running to be South Carolina's starting quarterback when he came to, when he transferred here as a graduate transfer. And then he even praises Holinsky's growth in the system, in Mike Bobo's system. So let's kick it over to, once again, Ryan Holinsky, Colin Hill, and then we'll discuss it on the other side. You're the guy that started 11 games last year. Did you think there would be even a battle for the starting job uh, this far into camp? Yeah, I think, you know, whenever, whatever profession that you're in, uh, you've always got to compete. You know, you've always got to work to strive to get better. Um, and I just came in every day with the mindset, you know, I've got to be better than I was last year. Uh, and if coach, you know, decided to make, you know, a quarterback competition uh, that we are in now, uh, great. You know, competition, um, like I always say, iron sharpens iron, just makes me better. Uh, and I just got to control what I can control and focus on, on doing the best that I can every single day in, day out. And uh, that, that's basically my mindset going into, you know, this year before spring and fall. Ben? Hey, Ryan, um, just how much catch-up have you sort of been playing with learning this offense? Obviously, you're competing with a guy who, you know, knows it so well. I, I guess what has sort of been the learning curve and, and, and how, how fast do you feel like you've sort of been traveling along that? Yeah, uh, a, a guy that's, you know, like Colin, that's been with Coach for a while, uh, he's definitely, you know, got an advantage with, you know, knowing that playbook, which means I've just got to work, you know, that much harder. And, and, I, and I have been doing that. You know, I've been in – Quarterback room, drawing up plays on the whiteboard as much as I can, filling up literally uh, three whiteboards, you know, just going in and just writing as much as that I can so that I memorize it. Um, and then, of course, getting those reps in practice helps a lot too. Um, helps it, you know, memorize it, helps you go out and just know it like the back of your hand. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to being a good quarterback, a great quarterback um, in any league, you got to have confidence. And you're not going to have confidence if you don't know the playbook. Um, and I'm working every single day, you know, to to even further my understanding so we can open up and do more stuff uh, with me, you know, whenever the time comes or whenever it is. Uh, but I think right now the learning curve has been great uh, for me and everything that I've learned uh, so far. It's great to see the progression uh, and coach coach has been very uh, vocal with me on that issue. Now, Ryan, with campaigning just as spread out as it has been, I mean, how do you control the highs and lows? Yeah, I think that's, I mean, in life you have a bunch of highs. In life you have a bunch of lows. Uh, and I've had a bunch of highs and a bunch of lows my whole life. Um, and I think the biggest thing is you just got to control what you can control. I control uh, what rep, you know, if I, when I go in there, uh, if I'm going to, you know, complete this ball, if I'm going to read certain guys, if I'm going to do um, whatever the play is asked of me, um, I'm, I've got to do that to perfect execution and that's what I can control I can control studying the play I can control all those things um, and just all these highs and lows uh, you just got to stay balanced I mean being a quarterback 
uh, you can't be an emotional guy. I mean, you can you can love the game, and I absolutely do. Um, but you got to be one of those guys that stays level, because um, when those ten other guys look at you in the huddle and they see that you're calm, you're confident. Uh, you know, they're going to be calm. They're going to be confident. They're going to start having fun when you're smiling. Uh, and I think just when it comes to those highs and the lows, uh, I think back to when I'm a little kid, just having fun playing ball and uh, just remembering. You know, that's how it all started. Uh, and, and not getting those low moments get to you, not getting, letting the high moments get to you, and just keep moving forward because the past is behind you and you can only focus on what's going to happen next. When you're in the midst of a quarterback competition, do you, do you get a sense of where things might stand in the coach's mind, or is that for you guys more out of sight, out of mind sort of thing? Yeah, I think it's a more of an out of sight, out of mind type of thing. Um, coach, you know, coaches definitely gave us all of our praises. He's given us all of our lows. He's definitely told us all of those things. Uh, but right now, you know, I think in the quarterback room, you know, we're really just going in there and competing every single day. And we really, you know, don't focus on the quarterback competition. I mean, I talk to Colin and have conversations with him that aren't even about football every single day. I talk to Luke. Talk to Jay, talk to Connor, uh, and, and coach doesn't really, you know, make it about that. Really, we just care about doing what we can for this offense, doing what we can for this team uh, from a leader standpoint, you know, just being the guy um, that can set an example for the other guys around, you know, because being a quarterback, no matter if you're first string or, or fourth string, you're, everybody looks to the quarterback as doing the right thing, uh, and coach Bobo has expressed that to us. Uh, it doesn't really matter, you know, where you are at the depth chart, but we're all contributing a certain amount and we really just are focusing on coming in every day and getting better uh, and just competing with one another. Uh, what did you kind of take from your play in this last scrimmage? What did you see yourself doing well? What did you kind of want to sort of focus on and work on? Yeah, I mean, I thought we had a solid day, um, you know, as a, as a whole. Um, you know, I think Coach said we had first five of six possessions were touchdowns. Um, so, you know, as an as a offense, we definitely executed well. Um, you know, I thought we could have been better in, in some situational stuff, um, you know, like third down, short yardage type stuff. But um, overall, I thought it was a good day. Um, you know, most important thing for me, took care of the ball. Uh, you know, the ball is the most important thing. We talk about that a lot. Uh, you know, I had no turnovers, um, you know, and really just tried to, to do my job, not do anything, uh, you know, outside of myself. Just play within the system, get it to guys who can make plays. and. Um, you know, I thought we did that. Coming in this spring, coming off the knee injury and all, just what was your thought process about coming in here and being able to challenge for this job? I mean, knowing obviously before COVID that Ryan would have a full spring practice and you got to sit down, just what was your thought process? I mean, did you ever think that you would be at this point with uh, two weeks to go before the game and still have a shot at it? Uh, to be honest with you, yes, sir, I did. Um, I mean, I think you, you have to, right? I wouldn't have, uh, that, that would be my mindset wherever I was, whether I stayed at, at Colorado State or transferred to another school here. Like, um, you know, once I made up my mind that, that I wanted to continue to play and I got cleared to play, um, you know, that was my goal. Um, and I think, you know, as a competitor, uh, that's what you want to do. You want to put yourself in a position to, to you know, be here as, as the game's approaching. But, um, you know, when I first got here in the spring, my mindset really was just, you know, control what I can control. And at the time, it was just getting healthy. Uh, so it was attacking every day in the training room. Um, you know, we didn't get much spring ball, like you said. And then, you know, over the quarantine, just attacking the rehab sessions. Uh, and, and whenever we get the call back, just be as healthy as I can be so I can be ready to go when camp starts.
last couple of weeks. I mean, obviously it's a quarterback competition, but at the same time, I mean, this has been uh, one of the longest training camps, I'm sure, for you and, and a lot of your uh, teammates. You know, what, what has that process been like these last couple of weeks in terms of just being able to just to continue to grow and be, be consistent to be able to compete for that starting starting position? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely been a different camp. Um, you know, we kind of got to do the OTAs this year with um, – you know, over, with the coaches over the summer and, and all the walkthroughs and, and those things. So, uh, you know, it was a little different. Camp got started a little later, but um, even though it's been long and different, I thought we've handled it well. Um, I think guys have showed up and, and done their job, had good energy. Um, and the biggest thing is I think we've continued to get better. Um, you know, Coach Coach Bobo said it this morning, uh, felt like we've improved every scrimmage, um, which is important. Uh, and by no means does that mean that, that we've arrived as an offense or as a team. Um, I think the goal has to be continuing to get better every single week. Um, but, you know, I think our, our mindset and, and energy has, has stayed where it needs to be throughout this camp. How much have you seen Ryan's knowledge of this offense kind of grow uh, really through the last month? Obviously, he came in. You, you know this offense like the back of your hand. He was the one playing catch-up. How much catch-up have you seen him play kind of through the course of this offseason? Ryan's done a great job. Um, you know, I think the the ability to be able to to meet over quarantine definitely helped the whole room uh, kind of just grasp the offense as a whole uh, a little more. But Ryan, Ryan's done a great job picking up the offense. Um, you know, like I said, I've said this before, he's got a, a high football IQ. Um, and I think he's continued to, to make strides throughout camp, uh, and, and especially mentally. Um, you know, I think you can tell he's definitely starting to pick it up more and more, whether it's just like little details, uh, whatever it is, he's done a good job uh, of continuing to get better for sure. In this offense, how much falls on your, your shoulders as a quarterback in terms of run game management, getting into and, and out of certain run plays? That's a lot. Um, a lot is asked of the quarterback, um, but you know I, you wouldn't want it any other way. Um, you know that's what he says all the time. He's going to demand perfection from you, um, knowing that we're never going to be perfect, um, but we're going to demand it so that we can be at the best we can be. Um, and so we are asked to do a lot, whether it's in protections, whether it's you know run checks, making sure we're in the right play. But um, you know we are we are asked to do a lot mentally. All right, Chance. So just from these guys talking it out, I mean I think you get a good read on. The, the mental makeup of both these guys, and it doesn't seem to be any animosity. Hell, it, it's almost like they're rooting for each other in a strange way because mm-hmm. they just want, you know, what's best for the team. But I'm sure they both, I mean, Colin Hill kind of, you know, said it here. He's, he wouldn't have came here if he didn't think he could start. Now, at the same time, we all know Holinsky's got the pedigree and the huge arm and, and everything that goes with it. But I'm, I'm going to ask you before we get to this, do you have a – any, even if it's just a total guess, based on what they had to say here, South Carolina is expected to make name a starting quarterback this week. A lot of people thought it was going to come over the weekend, but who do you think is going to start the opener for South Carolina when Tennessee comes to town? Just off these comments, I, you know, I wanted to say Helensky, but. Just the way that that Colin answered some of these questions, I'm leaning a little more toward him right now for week one. Not saying the rest of the season mm-hmm. or anything like that, but you know, I, I I'm leaning. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Hill on this one. Ooh. All right, so this is what we're going to do here. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go run down the list. Every quarterback competition in the SEC. Uh-huh. We'll finish with South Carolina. But first I want to start with the two that I think are obvious. We've already we've already hinted at both of these. Mississippi State. This my these are just my predictions here. KJ Costello. Yeah. He's gonna start for sure, I think. Arkansas, Felipe Franks, that's a given. Mm-hmm. I think. Vanderbilt, the freshman, the true freshman, Ken Seals is gonna get that. Yeah. He's going to be named the starting quarterback, I think. Missouri, I'm going Sean Robinson, the former TCU transfer. I think mm-hmm. Eli Drinkwitz is going to go that direction. Georgia, Dewan Mathis Ooh. is going to start the season. I really, I think that based on what we're hearing out of there. Do you think – well, I mean, so, okay, let me stop you there for a second. Uh-huh. Do you think uh, Mathis runs the whole game, or do you think some of the other guys get in there? I mean, unless it's a terrible performance, I think he's going to basically start get, to finish. Start to finish until old JT Daniels is cleared. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, got I think you. they're going to let him run it and see how how well he does. Okay. All right. So we got two left. Old Miss. This this mm-hmm. hurts me to say it. Nothing against the guy, but I I love the other guy. I'm going Matt Corral, Week One starter. Mm-hmm. Down in Oxford. And then yeah. South Carolina, the team we started with here. Yeah. I flip-flopped. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> I'm going Halinski. I think it's going to be Halinski. Oh. And I think that, that goes against the, you know what everyone's thinking. But was it where is that because I'm a terrible better? Is that is that, <laughs> is that do you think I just put the the, the, the magic touch on this thing? You and, may have and, given the kiss the of death way? here, but uh no, I've been saying it all along. I thought the longer this thing went, yeah. the more it favored Ryan Holinsky, in my opinion, because obviously we know Colin Hill's got the system down, and I think they've been giving Holinsky every opportunity to win this job. And, you know, if you got these guys now in three scrimmages, mm-hmm. and if Holinsky just couldn't comprehend it or or wasn't getting it down to the level they were happy with, I think it would have this would have been a lot easier decision. But um just you know, based on what I'm hearing, I think he's, you know, got a good read for it. And um no no disrespect to Colin Hill, but I mean we're talking massive potential, I th- I still think with Ryan Helensky. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think he got that in Kyle Colin Hill. So I mean, you could still run with the game manager. Wouldn't shock me. This is not any kind of like, you know, inside scoop that they're going to name Helensky the starter. This is more of a guess than anything. But I just think they're going to roll with the talented guy that's got a feel for the system. Yeah. Be- because with, you know, we've already talked about it with Marshall and Lloyd out, with questions at receiver. I just don't know if a game manager type quarterback is going to be enough to manufacture much offense in South Carolina. I think they need they need the star or potential star talent at quarterback to be competitive this year. Right. And, I got and, you, man. And Muschamp, he doesn't, he doesn't – we all know he's sitting on a warm seat here, and if they start 0-2, 0-3, you know, they're going to be, they're going to be firing up the uh, – we're gonna see the uh, what you what do you call it the, the fundraisers to get them <laughs> to get the buyout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
No, they'll, yeah, there'll be plenty of those flying around, you know, with a big picture of that golden rooster they got over there. So, hey, uh, let me ask you on, on a couple because I, I'm with you on the on the Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I, I think Matt's got that job, but I still think John's out there at least 15, 20% of the snaps. Yeah. Is that, I mean, he, there's no way you keep the kid off the field. He may be, he may be in there more than Matt by the end of the game. I just, mm-hmm. he's just, he's just a freak athlete. So uh, I agree. But, and and one, yeah. one thing that's really got me high on Matt Corral again, it's, I hope people don't think I'm like been bashing this kid all summer, but if you go back and look at, you know, that rich Rodriguez system, mm-hmm. I don't think it fit him at all. And I think that was really to his detriment. Yeah. So credit him for sticking it out and, and wanting to play for Kiffin because uh, the former offensive coordinator, he's now at North Carolina. He's tearing it up with the, the, their young quarterback. That's the guy he came to play for, and that was more of a, a passing offense that would have fit mm-hmm. Matt Corral perfectly. So now we're probably going back towards that. You know, They're not going to go – with the running backs they got, they're not going to just throw it 60 times a game. I'm not saying that, but I yeah. just think this pro style – it, it probably suits Matt Corral a lot better right now, but I agree. You got to play John Rice Plumley. You've you've got to get him acclimated because he's just too good of an athlete. And maybe we see, you know, both the quarterbacks for you know much of the season. Yeah, I don't know. It's just again because it's a weird year. You don't have to worry about eligibility. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that. I think there's a chance we see multiple quarterbacks in multiple games here. It wouldn't surprise me if if Georgia doesn't do so, especially if they get the lead, you know, try to mix things up and see what some of these other kids can do. Uh, mm-hmm. What's his name? Beck. Is that the yeah, the freshman the one Carson that ever, Beck? Yeah, I mean, I mean, hearing good things about him, so it wouldn't blow it wouldn't blow my mind to see you know third quarter something like that Beck come in and run a couple series just to see what they got mm-hmm. against live action and with the number ones out there so yeah and, and this crazy season too you know don't forget I mean my god imagine Dewan Mathis comes in and he's outstanding but yeah. then week two Auburn week three Tennessee week four Alabama for any of those games he he's out for COVID mm-hmm. we've got to yeah. get Beck some reps here because he might be he might be one play, or, I mean, that's cliche to say, but he might be starting next week because of COVID. You know right. what I mean? That's right. In South Carolina, same thing. I mean, just because Halinski, you think Halinski's going to get the nod, and you may be right, I just feel like, I, honestly, I feel like it's going to be a hill maybe for a couple series mm-hmm. and then drop Halinski in. It's, unless – you know, Hill's just taking off, and I hope to God he's not, Mike. <laughs> I hope he's struggling back there. Don't get me wrong. But if he comes out there and he does two successful drives, obviously Muschamp's not a dummy. He's going to keep him in there. But I, I think Hill opens it up. But I do think Holinsky about that third series, mm-hmm. you'll see him come in if if that's the case. Because, I I mean, let's, get, let's be honest, man. They want Holinsky to be the guy, you know? So – uh, I think we'll see Doty in there too. We we may see three quarterbacks in there uh, uh, next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's going to be a wacky, wild season. So <laughs> those are just my thoughts on the quarterback competition. We'll see how it plays out. What about? Well, let me throw one one little. Okay. What about Alabama? You think uh, you think we see any uh, little young guy in there? <laughs> I think we'll certainly see him, but yeah. not as the starter. I don't think. I think it's um, just too difficult for a freshman to come in here and 
I think Mac Jones will have that thing locked up for the first couple weeks at least. Okay. And Garantano, he's is he going all four quarters, or you think uh, <laughs> uh, Coach going to mix in some uh, – or is that dictated on the game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this point, nothing would surprise me with, with old Garantano. He could come out and throw six touchdowns. I could see him throwing yeah. six interceptions. You know? <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, yeah. <laughs> Got to get in her can of this beer. Hey, Shay, well, before we move on, let's uh, remind the listeners we're brought to you by MyBookie, the online sports book. Head on over to MyBookie.ag today. All new customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. That means if you're a new customer to MyBookie.ag and you put in the promo code that. S-E-C, that's T-H-A-T-S-E-C, they will match your initial deposit up to $1,000, so you could potentially start with $2,000 to gamble on, Shane, immediately, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. got this college football firing up, we're going to get into some some picks here, but man, I'm just fired up that college football is finally here, and the only thing that makes football better, in my opinion, is drinking some beer and betting all these games. So <laughs> head on over to mybookie.ag. Once again, that promo code is that SEC over at mybookie.ag. Thousands of cross sports, wagers, props, parlays, all that. Winning season begins today only at mybookie with that promo code that SEC. All right, next let's, uh, let's jump on down to Gainesville. Where hell we actually got a Dan Mullen video here. They were they were kind enough to to send this one out. They've not been sending a lot of Dan Mullen content out this fall camp, so thankful that the Gators did that. But hell, he had a sense of humor about this whole dumpster fire situation down here in Gainesville. So uh, we appreciated that. Uh, he talked about uh, their transfer receiver Justin Shorter that recently got his eligibility. Remember, he was a five star. Never really showcased that at Penn State, but. Obviously, we don't cover them, so I don't know what the hell the deal was there, but Dan Mullen seems very high on Justin Shorter. And then um, this is something I've been hitting at all offseason. You know, the continuity, that's a big reason why I'm high on the Gators going into the season. So uh, Dan Mullen discusses the value of that. And uh, so let's kick it over to the Florida coach. Uh, So I think that... Yeah, what happened? I mean, we were all we. I wasn't even. I wasn't here. We did meetings all in the morning, and we had left uh, in the afternoon. And um, players had players had kind of a just a, a film review in the morning. So after uh, after that, my understanding is like a maintenance vehicle got caught on fire and really did no structural damage to the the end zone. But you would have thought, man, we were playing, and that was like the new scoreboard we had or something right there that caught on fire while we're the offense was rolling. So. But uh, I think it's good everybody's safe and not not much damage uh, done to facility wise. Did you get any help on the uh, idea for Denarius Harvey Fairman? Is it Jeff? The what? Oh, Denarius Stormborn. Yeah, I don't know. Someone's like sent that. That looks pretty cool. I don't know. I was a big Game of Thrones person, so right, Khaleesi. Yeah. See, you gotta get caught up. Are you not? Are you a Game of Thrones guy? Yeah, I am. I thought it was clever. I mean, yeah. Right. I gotta see, like, right? I I should advertise something a little bit more on there. Maybe I'll get like a a stipend check for like thirty bucks. And, and 
Well, I think, I mean, he's, he's obviously had a great, he has a great attitude, uh, works hard, uh, very physical player, talented, has, has size, has speed, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, can make explosive plays down the field. But also, you know, one of the things to me is, I mean, great physical blocker at the point of attack. Uh, plays, you, know, you can see he's a little bit older guy. He's not a new guy coming in. He's a veteran guy that's played some football, so he understands um, the importance of the, the complete game. You know, if you will block. You know, I mean, it's, blocking is just as important as catching a 50-yard touchdown pass. And when he, uh, you understand that you have the opportunity to become an impact player, and I think he'll 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 play a, he'll be a, he'll be an impact player for us this year. Well, I think I think one the experience of guys being together. There's there the benefit of everybody being on the same page. Everybody understanding what uh, what our direction of our program is, what my expectations within the program are, uh, how we're going to handle different situations um, within the program year round. Whether it's hey we have this workout today. Hey, you know everybody's pretty familiar with how that works. What our practice routine is. What our weekly in game season schedule is. Uh, you have a lot of guys that are very very familiar with that. Uh, so that makes life pretty easy, uh, you know, for us. You don't, you don't have to spend a lot of time on the staff, you know, uh, because on every little thing because the guys understand it. You know, you have all these guys who have been around each other, and so they know what my expectations are and what we're trying to accomplish with uh, each aspect of the program. Uh, we have a great group of guys, I think, um, you know, the, the, as you brought up, not just uh, – the staff being around each other a long time, how they interact with each other, uh, how, how the staff gets along, the camaraderie of the staff, I think is a huge deal as well. Uh, you know, I think that adds to a great work environment. Uh, you know, guys want to, you know, enjoy being part of our program, enjoy being on our staff. And uh, so it, it keeps guys around a lot. You know, I think one thing you always have to defend against, though, is, you know, we kind of get so stuck in our ways and, and everybody kind of knows this is how we do it is we don't always have fresh ideas. So we're always trying to challenge each other with guys. And I try to challenge staff to come up with some different ideas and some fresh ideas. And, hey, like, you know, I want to come up with a different way for us to do it. It doesn't mean we're going to do it, but let's come up with some different ideas so we can brainstorm. Uh, as soon as we get anybody new on the staff, the first thing we ask is tell us all the things that we do, how you would do it differently or how you've done it differently to help us brainstorm with new ideas so we don't get stagnant in what we're doing and uh, uh, that we're always trying to, to better and improve ourselves. Hey, that's one more thing we like about Mullen Shady. He's a Game of Thrones fan. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never disappoints, does he? You know, I tell you what, man. He he did he did spin zone the fire down there talking about the offense heating it up. So uh, as a Gator fan, you gotta like to hear that. Um, I, I think uh, I don't know. You, you know they have been kind of quiet here and, and uh, in the fall, and I think that's exactly what they need. You know, don't mm -hmm. don't let that because that hype train was starting to pick up if you remember, and it, it's kind of died off a little bit when the new schedule came out and everything like that, but. 
I think coach knows exactly what he's got rostered down there. And, uh, you talk about one of the most exciting, more exciting offenses that you're going to see this year. I think Dan's going to have it, man. I just, I, I like the brainstorming, never get stale. You know, we, we tried not to get stale, <laughs> you know, so it's like what kind of new segment you want to do. So in fact, we'd probably need to mix it up a little bit, but, uh, I, I like that attitude and, uh, you know, that open, that openness, you know, where you can take ideas from other coaches and, and maybe it gets implemented. Maybe it doesn't. So I don't know, man, they're, they're, they're quiet, but that's the ones you got to watch for, man. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I, you know, you see, you know, the buzz about Kyle Trask potentially being a Heisman candidate. And it's so odd to me that so many people are so quick to dismiss that. And I think yeah. it's just because they maybe they've just not watched enough of him. Now, I'm not saying, again, this is kind of ridiculous. Who's the next Joe Burrow? And everybody's looking for that next guy. He's, he's not going to throw 60 touchdowns and run for 10. But, you know, he is a guy that it was less than a year ago where he stepped on the field and had to replace Felipe Franks and, and bring mm-hmm. him back from a deficit on the road, and he managed to do that. So he's been very, very successful in just a short period of time. Now he's going into his second year knowing that uh, you know he's going to be the starter there in Gainesville. And I just really got a ton of faith in Dan Mullen to develop a quarterback, and we've seen the tools that uh, Kyle Trask has, and – I think he's got plenty of weapons, and here we go, Justin Shorter. He's got another one to have here, and Kyle Pitts. I mean, obviously Florida fans know that name, but it's almost like a lot of SEC fans are not familiar with that kid because he's him and Eric Gilbert, the two best tight ends probably in the SEC. So there's a lot to work with at Florida, and I think you're on to something with all this drama around the SEC. No one's picking Florida. Everyone's picking Alabama. Everyone's Mm -hmm. picking Georgia. And I think that's exactly what they want down there in Gainesville. Absolutely. All right, next team, let's jump on down to Oxford real quick. Lane Kiffin met with the media, and hey, great news. The Rebels have been one that uh, have just been kind of ravaged with this either COVID or quarantine and all this crap. Mm -hmm. First time since they opened fall camp, as hard as that is to believe, zero COVID positives. (laughs) The lane train, maybe it's picking up steam just (laughs) at the right time. We talked about this on the last episode. You know, if you're testing now, that means you're, you're likely out for the opener. So yeah, we're maybe we're getting all our guys back at the perfect time here for Ole Miss. Um, he also talked about their waivers. The defender from Canada, Dean Leonard, he got his waiver, so we're still waiting on the SEC to approve that. Otis Reese, we're still waiting. Uh, but uh, Kiffin talked a little bit about the quarterback race, and just uh, he keep, continues to harp on how unpredictable this season's going to be. Just kind of keep pushing forward. Uh, we did in our last round of tests last week for the first time. We had zero positives. Um, so that was that was great. Um, really good that and give a lot of credit to the kids for that. Uh, you know, for a time that I think around a bet, uh, a lot of college kids are getting it. So our kids need to continue to do a good job with that. Lane, you said you had zero positives. How many active cases do you still have with COVID? Um, I think that we have a couple in quarantine um, only left. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's it. I think we're almost all the way back. Coach, how much do you have time to watch, like, some of these Big 12 ACC games that kind of opened up this past week? And what do you learn from just kind of how some of those games went versus how those teams handled this weird offseason? I did not see much. We were scrimmaging and we watched it, uh, the scrimmage, and then brought the kids back that night to watch it with them. So we had a pretty full day. So, I mean, walking by the TV, you know, I saw Lafayette, Billy Napier with a great win. Um, I was told, you know, there were some upsets. So I would guess a lot of that's just, you know, no spring. You know, teams with, you know, some teams may have 10, 15 guys out. So um, I would think you'd see a lot more. I think games would be a lot harder to predict than they have been before. So I would think you'd see some, see more upsets because of that, because you got new factors you never have. Is that something you can kind of use to pitch to your guys going into the Florida game? Sure. <laughs> Lane, I know it's a broken record. You probably don't have a response or any update, but is there anything on Otis Reese and Dean Leonard and whoever else you might be waiting on? Um, Otis, we have not heard anything on still. Obviously, that's frustrating. Um, you know, trying to figure out who to play here less than two weeks before the opener. Um, and Dean, the NCAA said yes. And so now that is to the SEC. So we're waiting on that. Obviously, we hope he plays. He got shut down in Canada, couldn't play. So I don't know why he ever wouldn't let the kid play. You know, what was he supposed to do? Wasn't his fault. Lane, do you expect to have a, a starter, a quarterback for uh, the Florida game, or do you think that might carry over uh, into the season? I don't know that. Um, would like to, like always. Um, but these guys are pretty unique in their skill set, so I don't know that we will have one. All right, Shay. So, I mean, <laughs> it was <laughs> he was not as excited on this one, but this is about as <laughs> exciting as Lane Kiffin's got on one of these pressers <laughs> this, this entire year, isn't he? Golly, man. I tell you, I mean, just imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. You get all these clips ready. So for every good clip that you get, there's about 50 COVID clips that you don't hear. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> these coaches get hammered with the same damn questions over and over and over again. And uh, it was good to see a little life down there in Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's still it's unbelievable to me though that we're still and we're going to get to Joey Gatewood in just a moment here, but it's unbelievable that some of these teams are still waiting for these damn waivers. I know. I looked I it know. up. The, these kids, the the ones that left at the end of last season, the NCAA's had forty two weeks to make a determination here, and we're down to two weeks left. So <laughs> forty weeks have gone by, and, and we're clinging to the last two weeks. It's it's despicable, if you ask me. It's it really is. It's embarrassing is what it is. And, and we say this every year, you know, this, this should, this should have been handled weeks ago, months ago. And, uh, it just, it blows my mind. They just, it's almost like the NCAA doesn't know that there's a college football season about to crank up down here. <laughs> it's like, you know, what are you guys doing? Jeez. Well, speaking of that, let's jump on down to Lexington. We're Uh, Mark Stoops, on his radio show, announced that uh, by this week they anticipate a decision on Joey Gatewood's waiver 
And this comes after a report from Travis Graff of Rivals. This is pretty interesting. I thought maybe there might have to be something like this, but I, I didn't know if it was going to be officially reported. You know, it's not been confirmed yet, but it's being reported by Rivals that the NCAA has approved Gatewood's transfer, but because it's a... Now, I already knew that this is this is true. Right. When, it, when it's a transfer within the SEC... Yeah. The SEC also has to approve it. So okay. they've got it from the NCAA. They're waiting on the SEC. That's what's being reported. But the most interesting aspect of this, we've been talking about it all offseason, Kentucky plays Auburn. It just so happens to be the season opener after they mix the schedule up. And according to Travis Graff of Rivals, Kentucky and Auburn have come to a gentleman's agreement that Gatewood cannot play in that game against Auburn. So as crazy as that is, uh, you know, I said a lot there, but I know that's not the ideal situation, and I don't agree that that should even be necessary. But, hell, I'd rather have Joey Gatewood for nine games than than none. What what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, same thing. Uh, I'm just at first, I'm like, come on, man. You know, it, it, Terry Wilson's going to be starting this football game. It, it's not like Joey's, even if you clear him, I think he'd get some playing time. But maybe, maybe get some playing time. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's still Terry's baby. So it, it I think that's kind of stupid. Um, I, th- I think, you know, the a, a large program like Auburn is saying this, this kid that went to Kentucky – you know, that's been gone for a long time, man. If you remember, he transferred a long time ago. Wasn't at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let him, let him loose. Uh, but on the other side. Let me ask you this, I'm, though, Shane. Yeah. So we know Chad Morris is at Auburn now. He's the offensive coordinator. Does he have to sit out when Auburn plays Arkansas? Because Arkansas is still paying him. <laughs> you know, no. I, mean, I mean, how stupid is this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you all the way around. And but it should never come to this. It should never come to this. And, and the fact that the SEC just approved it, you know, <laughs> uh, like I said, Gatewood went a long time ago. They weren't playing on playing Kentucky mm-hmm. at all. And so the SEC should have proved this many, many years ago or many months ago, last year, uh, in fact. And and now it's like, well. Well, we can make him sit one more game. Why not? Yeah, it's just like it's so stupid. It's this it's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. But but again, you're like, I'd rather have him for nine. I get that. Like, look at Cade. I'd rather have Cade for nine sit I mean, is this something that he's gonna yeah, have to do? Where, sit that's out a, that's exactly where I was going. So would you accept that deal if Georgia said, Well, hell, we'll we'll allow it, but he's gotta sit when he plays us. Well, yeah, I'd accept it, but I'd bitch about it every day. <laughs> you mean to tell me that one one player on the offensive line is has to sit out? I'm like, that's that's just it's childish, man. It's mm-hmm. like it's like it's like Indian giving. You know, you know, you give them like, hey, you can have this, but then like tomorrow they're like, ah, eh, we need it back. You know, that's. <laughs> Okay, Cade left, uh, but it's not just him. We got Joey, and then uh, where'd the cat from Ole Miss? Where'd he uh, transfer from? Was it Florida? Georgia. Georgia. Do they play Ole Miss and Georgia? Um, Ole Miss and Georgia do not play. 
well, then why ain't he cleared? I bet the SEC <laughs> said, yeah, we're okay with that, but I'm still waiting on they may, NCAA maybe, to wake up from their nap. They may, they may meet in the uh, SEC championship. Maybe they're trying to avoid that. Oh, they're just holding that card. <laughs> Jeez, this is so dumb. Just let them loose, man. This is this is blows my mind. Of course, I I know people are upset. A lot of Georgia fans are upset. They they want Cade to to not sit. I get that, and I, I trust me, man. If we had a if we had a, a A plus offensive line leave our our camp. If I mean, think about that. If I'm not compare the two, but if Juan Morris decided he wanted to play tackle for Georgia, I'd be like, hell yeah, maybe you should sit out. You know, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You know, it's but it's just it's the picking and choosing that drives me nuts because they never come out and say this is why we did it or this is why we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. It's just we're waiting on someone some magical decision to be made, and then we never understand what what was what went behind. I mean. I can only imagine, like, this guy sitting at a desk. That's what I think about, man. I sit. I, I think about five people sitting at a round table, and, and they come in, and they say, who do we got today? You know, and they're all looking at it, and they say, you know what, he's approved. And or he's, But then sometimes I think they, like, they put it off, and they're, they're over there, they're watching movies and stuff like that, and they're like, oh, shit, you know, this thing's starting to pile in. They're like, all right, just accept a whole bunch of these guys, you know? <laughs> they're not really reading the files anymore. They're just pushing through, and then all of a sudden – you know, they've got nothing else to do but read and say, you know what, maybe we shouldn't because you know, I just – I don't know how – that's probably nowhere near how this process works, Mike. <laughs> but in my mind, that's how it's working, and uh, and they're and they're starting to they're starting to get a conscious now that they're getting close to the season starting. So uh, I think bl- the, the listeners, mind. we just got a window into what Shane does at work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, be careful. You get trapped up there, buddy. <laughs> All right, last up around the SEC, let's jump on down to Rocky Top. The balls are back. And before long, we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play ass. Where uh, Jeremy Pruitt spoke to the uh, Knoxville Quarterback Club here on Monday, and uh, he answered the question that uh, I think every Tennessee fan's got on the or on the top of their mind: What in the hell do we do about this contact tracing, and how how can we fix this issue? <laughs> Now are we the, are we the only one doing the, this, this contract tracing? Are we the only ones doing that? No, they they're all doing it. But it's but it's, but it are, it's like he's saying. I mean, it's SEC mandated, but it's also with the local health board or what, whatever. I don't know the technical term, but every state, every city, you know, it, it's different. And what I mean, what's what's ours? What's what's Knoxville here? Is it like if you? If you see the guy in the hallway, like you got to sit out for a week, is this how this thing works? It's what it feels like, Mike. Yeah, from, I'm just saying. From what I understand, I think it's one of the most strict contract contact tracings in the uh, SEC region, and and that's why Tennessee's going 30, 40 guys down to practice. You know what? Golly, it's gonna be a long season, man. Well, Pruitt talks about that. He also talked about, uh, he, you know, he's taking note all these special teams issues. He kind of gives some insight into why that may be happening. And then I don't know who this Jeremy Pruitt is, but uh, he's got some jokes for us. And special teams is probably uh, been the toughest thing for us, um, you know, because lots of times you, 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 you bring the best players in from a high school team. Well, maybe they were the, the punt returner. Maybe they were the – the kickoff returner, 
they didn't go up there and block on the front line on kickoff return. They didn't go down and cover on a kickoff cover team. You know, they didn't play on the punt team. So teaching these guys how to play special teams with them being in and out uh, has really been challenging for, for uh, Jay and, and uh, uh, our, our entire staff. Uh, and it's something that I believe is, is where we have created a little bit of an edge for us in the past. We've got to find a way to be able to do that on special teams uh, this season. So, <laughs> Well, you know, listen, the first thing we all want to do, we're trying to protect our student athletes. That's, that's first and foremost. Okay. Uh, nobody's trying to take any risk or anything like that. And I'm no expert, uh, in contact tracing. I just know that, uh, within each state, uh, the counties kind of control that, I guess. Uh, and I think each state's obviously different uh, in how they do it. So I don't think that there's any way that uh, we'll ever get each, all 14 schools the same in the SEC this season. Um, I think everybody probably knew that going in. Uh, but everybody's just going to try to do the best that they can. Uh, but it, but it obviously has, it seems like it has affected us a, maybe more so than some of the other ones just reading about it, just, uh, you know, looking at it, which I don't know. Um, I don't know that they can do anything about the contact tracing. My favorite play in the last 10 years was the onside kick. When are we going to see that again? <laughs> So uh, I'm I'm, ha I'm having a little bit of trouble here in the the question there. The, the question said the favorite play in the last ten years was onside kick. When are we going to see it again? That was a question. That was a question. Oh, well, I would like to play in games where we don't have to onside kick. That would be. All right, Shane, between Pruitt and Dan Mullen, I mean, they got, they're got they busting out jokes during these pressers. They must feel <laughs> pretty good about their squads heading into the year, don't you think? I like a joke in Pruitt. That makes me feel a little bit better, especially, you know, with the contract tracing and, and all these players that we've had miss and sit out and stuff like that, you know, to still have a good spirit about it. That or he's just let go. I mean, sometimes I do that. It's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's like been on a diet for a week or two and then all of a sudden it's like man i'm in a good mood because i'm cheating today <laughs> the diet went all to hell so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go with it so but no i i think i think that's what we're dealing with here i think coach feels pretty confident and uh, i'm liking the jokes but uh, i am i am i am worried I guess, because it just, I, I know a lot of players have been out these different campuses and, right. but you listen to old miss and, and they don't, they have zero and it's like, you know, we're having zero, but they've been in the vicinity, the vicinity, vicinity. Is mm -hmm. that how you said? Mm -hmm. That's a big word for Shane. Write that one down. <laughs> 20 to 25 cent words, Mike. <laughs> so, but, and then they got to sit out for two weeks and they missed all this practice and stuff like that. It's just, what do we do to fix that? Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, can you do anything to fix that? Can we make these kids go online and just do online school and they, you know, it's just stay in their dorm. Uh, I mean, can you do that? Can you make a student do that? Or is that like against the constitution? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, you can't make it, make them do anything, but you just gotta, that's why we, you know, they've kind of hinted at it. You know, there, there's gotta be leadership on the team and yeah. just let it, you know, especially younger players. I, I think it, in a lot of cases, they're the ones getting kind of called out for, for whatever reason. I don't know if that's accurate, but, you know, just look at it like a lot of these seniors. I know there's this extra year of eligibility, but this may be the final season for a lot of seniors. And yeah. if you want to take it in your hands and just be careless, you you may cost that guy the last chance he's ever got to play football. So you just got to think about things like that. And uh, that, that's why you need leadership. And I, I don't even think at the end of the day, I don't even think it comes from the coaches. I think it comes from the, the players because I think those are the guys that uh, you're, they're basically going to listen to the most, particularly when they're mm-hmm. away from the facility. Yeah. Can't be having no uh, – did you hear about this party bus down here in Memphis? No. <laughs> so, uh, what happened the, the story is and uh, there is one Memphis player that has disputed this apparently but so they won their opener against Arkansas State not, right. not this weekend it was the weekend prior mm-hmm. and according to uh, the Memphis commercial appeal they had a damn party bus to celebrate they, they all a bunch of players got on the bus and then uh-huh. the next week there was about 40 COVID cases so <laughs> <laughs> their game was their next game was canceled and they don't have a game coming up and I mean it's just it's just a shit show down there so you know that's that's just, college just you know smart. what I mean you want to celebrate yeah. you know these guys work really hard they deserve a break they deserve to let loose but I don't know it this is this is going to be a year where you, I I don't think you can really have that unless we have some kind of vaccine or or something you know what I mean yeah so it is it's really hard because and it's easy for me to sit here and doing a podcast, you know, from my living room and say what these kids should do or shouldn't do. Right. When we were both in college, it was, I mean, you couldn't tell us what to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's probably why I didn't get to finish it, Mike, you know? (laughs) Remember, remember the time uh, game day came to Knoxville and we, and we wanted to be there early. So, there was no chance oh, in hell we were going to wake up early, so we just said, "Hell, if we just drink all night long, we'll Stay be up. awake when it starts." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that plan backfired. Did we didn't even make it to the game? <laughs> Thank God, Auburn killed us that year. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're dealing with here, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's that. You just add that to the uncertainty. There's just no yeah. telling what's going to happen. I mean, hell, you know, Georgia goes on the road, beats Alabama. They mm-hmm. may not show up half the team for the next week against Kentucky. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, but I'm just saying, I mean, something like that, who knows, you know what? How great was that sign, though? Huh? Do you remember that? <laughs> it had – it was the year Cadillac was at Auburn, mm-hmm. and which – Honestly, Cadillac was always a sore spot with me because he should have played at Tennessee. That that was the – I mean, he was at one time committed to us, and I think that's one of the reasons uh, Phil ended up losing his job. I, I just think that he was that impactful of a player. But anyway, so I was butthurt that obviously he's playing in Auburn, and uh, my sign 
No way we shouldn't. No, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it was, it's not that bad. I've, okay, se- I've seen just, a lot worse. You have? Okay. So it said Cadillac, I need a volunteer. And it had an arrow pointing down. So you hold, you get it. You get, <laughs> so it was a great sign. <laughs> Worked on it all night, man. And, and it was like, what was it? It was like two hours before we had to go down there. I was like, it's like, well, maybe if we took just a little down. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You know, you can't get those memories back. And that's what we're asking these kids to do. You know, you can't tell them, say, hey, stay in a bubble. You know, just do your thing. Go to school. You know, focus on football and then perform for us. We can't say that because these are kids that mm-hmm. that have to live. You only go to college once, maybe twice, if you, you know. <laughs> We'll take another shot at it later in life. But, you know, the second time, it's not near as fun. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I I can't say anything about these kids. But the, the contract tracing, it's just it seems like it's a little intense in Knoxville. Um, and it's not we're not I'm not hearing the same stories at some of these other schools. Right. Yeah. So. Man, it's just going to be a wild, wacky year. I can't wait for it. But uh, yeah, me either. Hey, that's all I got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here? Uh, real quick, Mike. Did mm-hmm. what about the LSU news? Did you get that one? Yes. About yeah. Uh, uh, so I mentioned that at the beginning, but yeah, great news for LSU because a defensive lineman Neil Farrell has opted back in, and that's mm-hmm. pretty big for LSU because we know you know they're already down some. Uh, they're low in scholarships. And they, Tyler Shelvin, another defensive lineman, has already opted out. So um, Farrell is likely going to start. And they're, of course, moving to that 4-3 defensive front. So they're going to need linemen. They, they, I don't know. This is just all around good news. This is the first guy that opted out at LSU. Now he's back in. And I think, uh, I think it had to do with his grandma was real sick. And now she's, thank God, she's doing a lot better. So... Hey, that's that's why you know you can't judge these guys. They they got things yeah. in their personal life going on, and and maybe they get turned around. They they come back. So, um, I mean, all around good news here for LSU and Neil Farrell is going to have a real chance to improve his stock too. So you led with that. I d- I did mention you it said, when we were talking about Texas A and M and they're they're out. God, how bad am I, man? I can't even pay attention anymore. <laughs> Well, I did see Brody Miller put out there a good follow on Twitter. Said fellow star lineman Tyler Shelvin is also at least considering opting back in. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows? Maybe this this catches fire down there, and LSU has a, a pretty mean defensive front. Yeah, I mean that would be huge if Shelvin. Now he's not Absolutely. announced it or not, or not decided yet, but apparently he's considering it. So, yeah, I'm just I mean, willing it for you, LSU fans. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so I think that's going to do it. Can you rate the beer before we hop off here, Sean? Oh, absolutely, man. Well, let me tell you, this thing, uh, this thing's wild, man. It's it's intense. It's almost like this, uh, this uh, trace COVID trace thing that we're doing up here in Knoxville. But uh, it says it has some fruits, and I don't know if I didn't taste the fruits. <laughs> of course, I don't really know what an apricot tastes like, but apparently, it's in there. Uh, 
But all in all, man, started it started. It wasn't a good start beer. This is one like after you've had about three or four Natty Lights, and you're like, yeah, let me try one of those. (laughs) That's when you want to ease into the rising haze. But after about uh, halfway through, I've really started enjoying this one. So I'm going to have to give it about a 6.9. I'm a little, I I know that seems low, but uh, I just, I'm not finding the one yet, Mike. I'm getting a lot of great. Uh, uh, comments online ones I need to try so I, I need to tr- try to track some more down but mm-hmm. uh, not not my favorite beer but like I said it, it was mainly I just didn't like how it began but I did like how it finished uh, I got a nice little buzz off of it so 6.9 <laughs> yeah keep those beer <laughs> recommendations coming we do appreciate that and what we really appreciate is these 5 star Apple Podcast Reviews and hey, we got a new shipment of koozies. They're set to arrive this week. So we're going to tweet out some pictures of that once we get those. But I'm really excited. Full color koozies this time Ooh. around. We're, we're up in the ante here to get more get people. fancy. To, to su- subscribe, rate, and review. That really does help the show grow. But uh, that's going to do it, Shane. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go balls. Go balls.